Welcome to the Man Talk Show. I'm Connor Beaton. And today we're going to be talking about understanding and unpacking the female narcissist. Now, this came after a few requests from uh, men that, that I have worked with and men online through Instagram and through the community. A lot of guys have reached out over the past several months and said, hey, how do I know if I'm in a relationship with, with a female narcissist? And can I actually get quite a few men reaching out saying, can women be narcissists? Um, which the answer is yes. Yes, they absolutely can. And there, I think the reason why men are asking that question is, is because m for the most part, it is men that are being uh, labeled and accused as, as narcissists in our modern culture. And it's actually become quite popularized that when a man displays a behavior online or in person that a woman doesn't like or feels threatened by or disagrees with, that she will automatically sort of move into the space of labeling him as a narcissist. And it's just sort of like attack on a character. And for a lot of men that I've worked with, they've been in relationships where that word has been used and they've, you know, they've sort of fallen into this uh, trap, although they are certainly not narcissists while there are narcissists out there. And so I think that this word has been has been sort of thrown around quite a bit in relationships. And we do ourselves a disservice when we just start labeling our partners, right? Like, oh, you're acting like a narcissist right now. Or, uh, you know, we start to use these clinical diagnoses for our partner's psychological and mental health and well-being when in reality we have no basis or grounds for that. And I think it's a very dangerous thing for us to go down that territory. And so I wanted to unpack this because I've actually been working with a couple of men who have gotten out of relationships uh, with women that were narcissists. And a couple of these men didn't even know that women could be narcissists, even though they displayed all the tendencies. And so it is equally as damaging. And I think, you know, this is going to be uh, an interesting breakdown. So let's just talk about this a little bit, uh, you know, so we don't get too far lost into the societal uh, conversations that are happening. So according to the Mayo Clinic, narcissism is a mental condition in which people have an inflated sense of their own importance, a deep need for excessive attention and admiration. But behind this mask, behind these needs of extreme confidence lies a very fragile sense of self-esteem that's vulnerable to the slightest criticism. Now, that might sound familiar to some people that you know, maybe very close to you in your life, maybe people that you see in the media, uh, maybe celebrities that you've seen, etc. And I think that we all can conjure up a an image of somebody that very clearly cannot take any criticism, whether again, whether it's, you know, in our family, uh, maybe an individual that we've dated or somebody in the in the media um, that we have that we've come into contact with. So that's the basic grounds of narcissism. Now, there are uh, sort of different layers to this, right? So if somebody's just a little more sensitive or they have an inflated sense of, of ego and they're very confident, that doesn't necessarily make them a clinical narcissist, right? In, in um, just for some research, there are roughly 3.2 or 3.3 million diagnosed cases of narcissistic personality disorder in the United States alone. And so, you know, roughly 1% of the population will have this. Um, it is a genetic disease or disorder, whichever one you would like to use. And 
it is something that as far as most psychologists believe and know is not necessarily a quote unquote curable thing. Although I, you know, I think that there are some, uh, there's some counter arguments to that from a few therapists and psychologists that are starting to come out with different types of research around narcissism. So let's dive into just a few different parts of what narcissism is, how it shows up in relationships. And I'm going to break down the two different kinds of female, <clears throat> female narcissists. So here we go. So studies have shown that both partners engage in more vicious and violent behavior when the female in the couple is the narcissistic one. Now, I actually found this kind of interesting, but after ha having worked with a few men that have uh, dated narcissistic women and seen some of these interactions, uh, seen couples where this shows up, talking with Vienna, talking with a few other people, therapists, psychologists that that work in this space. One of the things that that I've noticed is that it's when the woman is in the narcissistic space, the reason why more sort of vicious behavior starts to come out is that a man will move into treating his partner more and more like a man. And so how men deal with conflict is that if it can't get resolved verbally, it generally gets resolved physically. And so as more emotional volatility comes up in the relationship, more verbal volatility comes up in the relationship, the man will start to treat his partner more and more like a man. And when he does that, if it, you know, if it's a, again, we're going off the basis, it's a, a straight heterosexual couple. When he does that, he'll move into a space of um, seeing his partner as somebody that is violently trying to attack him. And so the defensiveness will go up and this will sort of play into the cycle of the narcissist and it'll just cause the relationship to spiral. And this can look in many different ways. Viciousness doesn't mean just physically. It can mean emotionally. It can mean psychological games that are played. It can mean many, many different things. Um, sexual as well. So men tend to display more anger when they have to interact with a narcissistic woman and a partner. Um, but that but the man's level of narcissism has no correlation to these behaviors. So all that that's saying, and again, this is based off of um, a few different pieces of research and, and studies that have been pulled over the years. Um, all that it's saying is that when a man enters into a relationship with a narcissistic woman, he will tend to have more anger in that relationship than he has in any other relationship. Um, and that that his level of narcissism has no correlation to these behaviors. So this is where it gets very sort of confusing and very um, frustrating for partners, whether you are a man or a woman, in a relationship with an individual who is a narcissist. Because we oftentimes will fall into the trap of being labeled as the person with the problem. Because of course, the narcissist has that very sensitive sense of self-esteem and can never be the issue. So this all suggests that narcissistic women are more hostile in relationships. And again, there's a lot of research to back this up, which in turn causes their partners to exhibit more hostile and angry behaviors as well during conflict and in these types of um, heated interactions. And again, that's because the, the aggressiveness that a woman is then bringing into the relationship, right? And narcissistic women will use very different types of, of um, sort of weapons against their partner, right? Some of them will be psychological. Some will be emotional attacks, viciously attacking the character. Uh, some will, can be sometimes physical, throwing things, sort of, sort of very aggressive in, in physical nature. 
And some can be very, um, again, very sexual in nature. So using sex um, is, a, is another very prominent f- theme with narcissistic women. So let's talk about the two different types of narcissistic women. And there's generally two different types um, just in general, but this is going to be sort of characterized um, for women specifically, just so that you know, maybe you grew up, maybe you're a woman listening to this show right now, and you grew up in a household with a narcissistic mother, or you have a sister that is a narcissist, or you have a boss (laughs) that's a narcissist, or some of these qualities, um, you know, will just help you identify whether or not you're dating a man who's narcissistic. So when you are face to face with a narcissist, try not to let yourself get off track because they are brilliant at that. Uh, you may lose your sense of purpose when a narcissist tries to take the center stage. So let's talk about the two different kinds. The first one is the grandiose. And I've labeled this as the archetype of the huntress or the spider. And I did that because it's a very sort of verbose arrogance that they can hunt down anything that they have, the qualities and the characteristics that are, uh, how do I want to say this? That are very large in nature, right? So there's a, there's an arrogance there. So grandiose narcissism is characterized by extroversion, low neuroticism, and overt expressions of feelings of superiority and entitlement. So you'll probably hear your partner talk a lot about how they are better than other women better than other coworkers, superior, entitled to certain things, maybe superior in their looks. Um, there's a huge, huge focus, and I'm going to actually be able to just keep going. Um, owning to their grandiosity, narcissistic, grandio- grandiose narcissistic women often believe that they are somehow above the rest of us and that they therefore are entitled to special treatment. In their view, our job is to cater to their needs. They are tr- in the truest form egomaniacs. And so this can happen in a, in a number of ways, right? A, um, a narcissistic woman might be completely fixated on her appearance, and this will come out in her high self-esteem, right? And she'll flaunt that she could have any other man, or she will hold you at bay, you know, knowing that you want a relationship with her. She'll sort of put you in this, in this cuckold where you know that there's this game being played. She's not telling you that she's maybe dating other person people, but she's certainly insinuating that at any given time she could uh she could have that if she so chose. So grandiose narcissism is characterized by again high self-esteem, interpersonal dominance. So they will tend to want to dominate you completely in the conversation and never be wrong. They have a tendency to overestimate their capabilities. Uh, and individuals with high grandiose narcissism tend to endorse positive illusions about themselves, simultaneously repressing information inconsistent with an infatuated self-image. Now, I'm reading definitions here that are pulled uh, from a tremendous amount of research. Um, people like Wink in 1991, uh, Pincus, um, Miller in 2011, so this is a lot of um, research. These aren't my words. These are uh, uh, researchers in this field. So grandiosity can also be manifested through exploitativeness and aggressive behavior. So for for many women, how you'll see this show up is in their dominance of competing with you. So you might find that some women will, um, some women that that 
represent this huntress, this this spider, the grandiose narcissist. They will try and compete with you, but they'll only compete with you in things that they know they can win. And so they won't engage in any other type of game with you. They'll put their their looks above everything else. Um, they will be hypersensitive to any kind of feedback. And what you'll notice is that they will start to gaslight. So all that that means is that they will have said something, you know, two, three minutes before, five minutes before. And when you bring that back up to them and say, hey, like, this is actually what you said, they'll try and deny it and they'll try and spin it. Um, they will try and, you know, tell you that, that uh, you know, you're crazy, you're insane, like that was never said. And even though you're sitting there knowing that that was very clearly said. So any type of criticism towards them is is taken or construed as an attack. And what you'll probably find is that in return, your character gets decimated. Um, so the, the grandiose narcissist will start to diminish you and shame you and do everything they can to create a complete imbalance. Because again, the grandiose narcissist needs to be on this very, very, very high pedestal. So those are some of the components of a grandiose narcissist. Um, it's very, it can feel very apparent. It can feel very alluring as well at first, because you probably meet a woman who's very confident, um, who's very sort of savvy, and um, for for a lot of men, that can be very attractive, right? To find this woman that is, you know, knows what she wants and is very sort of perceivably rooted, um, rooted in knowing the direction that she wants to go. And when in actuality, um, there's a very sensitive portion underneath that is being hidden. So several studies have revealed a tendency to overestimate their own cognitive ability among people scoring high in grandiose narcissism. So again, you might be dating a woman and, and uh, you know, she, she's showing a, a lot of these signs in conflict um, that maybe she's a narcissist. And one of the one of the main ways is that there's this high overestimation of what she may be capable of. And we've all seen people that do that in our lives. You know, we 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 know the people where you know they're they're like saying that they can do all kinds of crazy things when you're like, no, you <laughs> there's no way in, in hell you could do that, right? It's like I always say to to people like not everyone can be an opera singer, right? It's just not possible. It's not physiologically possible for every single human being to be a, uh, you know, like a, a masterful, well-trained, professional, classical singer, um, since that was my background. It's just not possible. And so this idea that everyone should be able to do anything is just not true. Uh, so you'll notice with, with the grandiose narcissist that they adopt that mentality. They truly believe that they can pretty much do absolutely anything um, better than almost everyone else. Okay, here is the second kind of narcissist. And this one's a little bit trickier, a little bit more sneaky. I have dubbed the archetype this scorned damsel. And this is the vulnerable narcissist. So there could also be those who put um, significant, these can also be women that put significant time and energy into um, appear powerful, but who are well aware of their self-esteem being actually very weak. So this is a, a bit of a different kind, um, whereas the the grandiose narcissist can't really see this part that they're protecting. 
um, or doesn't want to, or doesn't want to go near it, the vulnerable narcissist actually knows that they have incredibly low self-esteem. So the vul- vulnerable narcissist reflects uh, introverse self-absorbedness. Again, I'm reading off some <laughs> some of the research. High neuroticism, hypersensitivity, hypersensitivity, even to gentle criticism, and a constant need for reassurance. So I think that's the really important part, the constant need for reassurance. And the sort of self-absorption is a little less obvious for most people. The high neuroticism, you know, this is like OCD characteristic traits. So she might need to have things a very specific way in certain areas of her life, whether it's the way that she looks or the clothes that she wears or, you know, how things need to get put away or whatever the case may be. Now, a couple of those instances, not a big deal. But what it's saying here is that the vulnerable narcissist will have high neuroticism, uh, will have high levels of neuroses and neuroticism um, again, being related to to neuroses. So abnormally sensitive, obsessive, or hyper anxious. So when it comes to the vulnerable narcissist, we actually need to rethink narcissism um, because vulnerable narcissists are just as convinced that they're better than others as any other narcissist, but they fear criticism so viscerally that they shy away from and even seem panicked by people and their and their attention. And uh, this is by Craig Malkin. It's a quote from Dr. Craig Malkin, um, who is one of who has been one of the leading researchers in in narcissism. So what he's saying here is that that really there's a, a sort of tragic weakness that the vulnerable female narcissist will feel. And she will actually be incredibly, incredibly insecure. And you will probably hear about that insecurity. So the narcissistic qualities of a vulnerable narcissist are masked by helplessness, hyper-emotionality, very sort of erratic behavior. And they are dis- they're, they're not dissimilar to covert or introverted narcissists, which sort of fly under the radar of the, the grandiose uh, narcissists. But let's just get into some of the behaviors because this can help you identify um, what some of it looks like. So they're typically highly sensitive people to a very extreme level, and only their feelings have significance or importance, not other people's. So all that that's saying is if you're in a relationship with a, uh, a vulnerable narcissist, their emotions take precedence. No one else's matters. They're not able to really tend to your emotions. You'll probably often feel emotionally neglected, um, maybe even emotionally abandoned. And sort of instead of using their sensitivity to understand and meet the other person's needs, they take offense to the slightest emotional reaction. Um, so they'll watch for facial cues. They'll watch for body language. They'll listen to your words. They'll they'll really start to learn when you're disappointed. And they'll personalize that other person's feelings and ultimately make it all about them. So it will come back to them. So this is, again, a hyper level of emotional manipulation. Uh, Just like the grandiose narcissist, the vulnerable uh, like to be considered a perfectionist in their area of uh, specialty. However, where they differ is that uh, the grandiose narcissist will insist that they are perfect and believe others see them in this way, whereas vulnerable narcissists believe that they are perfect, but others fail to see them in that way. So again, you'll probably hear if you have ever dated a vulnerable, a female vulnerable narcissist, or even a male vulnerable narcissist, um, you'll hear that individual 
probably constantly complaining that their partner doesn't view them in the way that they want to be viewed, right? It's like, you never see me as, you know, the gift that I am to the world. You never see my true colors or you never, you know, appreciate this part of me. And so there'll, there'll be this sort of constant uh, complaint. The vulnerable narcissist is similar to uh, the emotional up and downs of borderline personality disorder, but without the the self-harming behavior that is very characteristic of borderline personality. So, you know, I hear a lot of men that come out of relationships with women that are that are volatile and they're like, oh, I think that she was borderline personality or something. It's like, well, maybe, but maybe you are actually dating a female vulnerable narcissist. And vulnerable narcissists might threaten to self-harm as an intimidation tactic, but they almost never follow through because it's not about that. Because again, they are of utmost importance. They are the most important thing. Um, So there is no healthy way to question the emotions and subsequent responses of a vulnerable narcissist as they are always right. Now, this one's really important, okay? You will have been in a relationship where it feels like, to your credit, it feels like you can't say anything about your partner's emotions ever. And that's a legitimate, it's not like a, well, you know, it's not you complaining. It's not you just, you know, not knowing how to engage with your partner. Um, It's not you just sort of saying like, I feel frustrated because sometimes I get it right. And sometimes I don't No, it's not that it is that any single time you try and question your partner's emotions, or you try and engage with your partner's emotions and you try and give them feedback about their their emotions, um, that they become very reactive and defensive and that they need to be right about what's happening in their experience. So they can't take any sort of feedback. And um, I think that's very important to sort of note because in a healthy relationship, you want to be able to give each other feedback about your experience and to mirror some of the things that are happening within your relationship and and be able to point out maybe some of the things that your partner's not able to see within themselves. So even when the emotion is out of proportion to the event, it still not can be it still cannot be examined by the vulnerable narcissist. So I mean just think of an example, right? Maybe you've been in a relationship with somebody where you know, you forgot to do something, right? You forgot to take out the garbage or, um, I mean, I'm using lame examples. You, you showed up five minutes late to, to a date or something like that. And the response, the emotional response that you get to that event is like catastrophic, right? Like you have done something so detrimental and you're left sort of in awe or struck in by wonder of like, how could this person's response be this catastrophic? Now, again, if you have a partner that does that once in a while, probably not a huge red flag, right? If you have a partner that is doing that consistently, um, that is a little bit more challenging because that, that again, it's getting closer to that uh, vulnerable narcissist. Okay, just a couple more and then we're gonna wrap up. Uh, so the victim cord, and this is a big one, the victim cord is routinely played to justify actions that others may seem as disconcerting. So typical statements include, everyone is out to get me because I'm better than them, or this is not my fault, but someone else's fault. So different iterations of that, right? Like, oh, that person just doesn't like me because they're out to get me, not out to get you, right? So again, notice when you're dating a vulnerable narcissist, it's not about you being stolen away or taken away from the relationship. It is legitimately just about them and their emotions 
and uh, and that there's somebody out to get them. Uh, okay, last one. One of the other interesting characteristics of the vulnerable narcissist is their classic passive-aggressive behavior. They typically will ignore a person as punishment for not doing what they are told, uh, not looking good enough, or not being as smart as they are. So again, a lot of passive-aggressive comments, um, a lot of passive-aggressive behavior. It's sort of very childlike. And again, this can be this, this sort of means of emotional manipulation. So the again, the, the main theme for the vulnerable narcissist is the massive insecurity is at the root of this particular narcissist. And it's covered with silence instead of grandiose behavior. So instead of going into competition mode, instead of going into battle and and sort of like attacking your character, they will often use um, sort of much more quiet, insidious means to make you feel like you are at fault for everything that is happening to them, that they are the victim. And in fact, they are extremely judgmental of anyone who displays pretentious, flamboyant, or lavish behavior. So they'll have a lot of judgment towards other people that might have qualities that sort of mirror back any of that sort of flamboyant behavior um, that they may be enacting sometimes. So, okay, I know that's a lot of clinical information. It's a lot of breakdown to help you understand uh, what the vulnerable narcissist and the grandiose narcissist looks like. Again, the as I said, the scorned damsel and the huntress. So what do we do? <laughs> How do we meet these parts? Um, what what do we start to do to, to deal with these types of narcissists? So if you're a man that's in a relationship uh, with a woman who you think might be, might be a narcissist, I would encourage you first and foremost to really question whether or not you feel like these behaviors are showing up to really do some research. Because I think the main problem that we experience in relationships is that when we are hurt, it is so easy to label our partner as something. It's so easy to say like, you're just a fucking narcissist, right? You're just this, you're just that. And it's it's very damaging to the relationship, especially if it's not true, especially if that person, you know, 90% of the time in conflict is great but every once in a while sort of dissolves into, um, you know, playing the victim and becoming manipulative and becoming hyper-conflict oriented. So our work here is to really uncover men and women alike, whether or not we feel like our partner falls into these categories or whether we are trying to ignore our own behavior. And that can be especially true. So if you're if you're a man that's in a relationship and you feel like legitimately nothing that you can ever do is right, that you are sort of being extremely tested, right? You're you're you get called these sort of black and white names, right? You're so ugly, you know. You're a pussy. You're not a man. You're you're such a cheat bastard. <clears throat> you're you're such a waste of life. Your mother should have never had you. You're so stupid. Uh, when when you are hearing these things repeatedly, these types of things from a partner, it's probably a good indication that you are that you're in a relationship with a narcissist. So how we start to deal with this again, I'm not going to give you the sort of like step by step solutions um, because in some ways this is a, a very 
daunting process. Number one, uh, I would say absolutely find some support. So you need a, a good therapist to sort of discern this, um, psychologist to be able to work with you maybe as, as a couple and to be able to support you with identifying whether or not this is true, okay? So that's, that's sort of number one. Um, number two is start to really come back to what is reality, right? What is reality? Because one of the most detrimental aspects, whether you are a man or a woman dating a narcissist, whether you, whether your partner is a man or a woman, doesn't matter. One of the most dangerous aspects is that we can lose our grip on what's true and what's not. Narcissists are brilliant at making us question our own reality, question our own thoughts, question what we said, question what we did, question our own emotions. Uh, so really take stock and get grounded and present within your own experience. And this is true for all relationships, right? Because when we have heightened levels of conflict in a relationship, it can feel very frustrating, like our partner doesn't know us. And so this is this is for everybody, regardless of whether or not you think you might be dating a narcissist. So really get grounded in what, what's true, what actually happened, right? Come back to the the conflict that has maybe unfolded and take stock of, of what you said. Now, this is going to require you to develop some presence in the moment. Um, and then last but not least, don't, don't be afraid to not stop complaining to your friends, but to enlist your friend's support, right? Sometimes, and this can be friends or family, sometimes our family and our friends are pretty damn good judges of character. And if we feel like we've been trapped in this relationship or in this relationship for a while, and we can't tell, <laughs> like if the other person is, you know, maybe, um, maybe a narcissist, like truly a narcissist, then we can enlist the support of our friends because they might be able to sort of give some very clear guidance. And I think men are are generally pretty good at being able to say like, yeah, man, like, listen, the way she treats you is is actually not very good. Like she's very, you know, she attacks your character and she cuts you down. And, you know, I've seen her lie to you multiple times before in front of us. So, you know, don't be afraid to connect with the trusted people around you whose, whose perspective and vision you value as an additional, um, just sort of mirror to the relationship. Uh, often what we want to do, our, our sort of instinct is to go to those friends and we complain a whole bunch about our partner. And so it sort of colors their their lens. And so rather than complaining to our to our friends about our partner, we just need to ask for their insight. So ask for insight rather than complain, see what they say, see what you know they witness in your partner and see if that matches up and feels true. All right, friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I know this was a big one. If you have other questions about the female narcissist that I did not answer on this uh, or about narcissists in general, feel free to uh, send me off a direct message. Um, but please do share this episode. I think this is uh, this is a, a, one of those episodes that many people would love to tune into. Um, so if you have any questions, DM me on Instagram at Mantalks. Until next week, this is Connor Beaton signing off.